Welcome to the Cup of Joe Wrestling Show. Cup of Joe Wrestling Show? With Joey Harris. A podcast for the wrestling fan on the go. So take your favorite beverage of choice and join Joey as he takes a look at some of the biggest shows on the WWE Network. Welcome to the Cup of Joe Wrestling Show. I am your host, Joey Harris, and this is the podcast for the wrestling fan on the go. So take your favorite beverage of choice as we look at some of the biggest shows on the WWE Network. Before I start here, I'd like to take a moment and just send out my condolences to the family, friends, players, fans, and everyone of Kobe Bryant. I was uploading last week's show when I got the news that he passed away. And it was just a horrible, horrible thing that happened with he and his daughters and everyone else that was in the helicopter, on the helicopter, that they lost their lives. So my condolences go out to all of the families and everyone involved and affected by this tragedy. Today, we look at the first Royal Rumble from the WWF. The 1988 Royal Rumble was held on January the 24th, 1988, from the Cops Coliseum in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. It was broadcast on the USA Network and set a record for the highest viewed wrestling program on cable TV at that time with an 8.1 rating. We talked last week about the second shots fired between Jim Crockett Promotions and the WWF. This was the WWF's response to Jim Crockett Promotions going back on pay-per-view with the Bunkhouse Stampede. They couldn't go the competing pay-per-view route again per the cable companies. So they did the next best thing and put this show on the USA Network for free. Vince McMahon welcomes us and runs down the night's card. Then he and Jesse Ventura talk about the Royal Rumble. Now, before we start here, we go to the first match. I have to do a mea culpa. The Mandela effect happened to me last week. Uh, when I was doing the Bunkhouse Stampede, I was talking about how both that and the Royal Rumble had the same finish for the first match, and they did not. The Mandela effect is something where you were sure that you know something happened where it didn't. A lot of people remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison where the Mandela Effect got its name, which of course he did not. He was released from prison and went on to become the president of South Africa. And that happened to me. I could have sworn that Ricky Steamboat and Rick Rude went to a time on the draw, and it just did not happen. Now, what I think that I confused that with the draw that Rick Rude had with Jake Roberts at WrestleMania 4 and the matches that Rick Rude had with Ricky Steamboat in 1992, one of which was an Iron Man match that had to go 30 minutes and the person with the most falls would win. I think I mixed all of these up into something and remembered it wrong. So that did not happen, but we go to Rick Rude versus Ricky Steamboat. This begins in tradition of Jesse always mentioning Rude winning the Jesse the Body Award. And I like to do something called If You're Drinking at Home, where you go and 
drink for every time someone does something, and this is one of them. So drink them if you got them. Steamboat starts out hot, but Rude is good too. You have two great wrestlers here. Vince and Jesse talk about Rude's physique, and Rude has very good physique. Chain wrestling and Steamboat has the advantage. There are wrestles galore, and the crowd is not into it. Rude poses and then takes over. There's an obnoxious fan in the front row that has a megaphone, and Jimmy Hart should sue for gimmick infringement. In fact, Jesse and Vince both bring it up. Steamboat is then thrown outside and punished. Rude poses again. More rest holds, and this is not how you get a crowd into a show. Steamboat is put into a submission hold, and he is tapping, but we aren't into that area yet, and so no one would know what tapping was. Steamboat powers out of it. More submission holds by Rude. Steamboat fights back. Multiple near falls. Steamboat goes up, and Rude pulls the ref into him. Rude then applies a submission hole, and the bell rings. Rude thinks he's won it. His music plays. He goes to leave, and as he is doing so, they announce that Steamboat is the winner by disqualification since Rude pulled the referee into Steamboat. We come back to Mean Gene Okerlund and Jesse on the platform as Dino Bravo attempts to set a new world's bench press record. Bravo comes out with his new manager, Frenchie Martin. This is a bad segment all the way around. As I like all the men involved, but this went on way too long. In fact, if it were not the fact for the fact that everyone involved in this segment, except for Jesse Ventura, is dead, I would not be sure that they aren't still doing this segment up in Ontario. The crowd was not into it. It was also pointless. You're trying to get heat on Dino Bravo, but nobody cared for this. Jesse helps Dino at the end to lift the bar and get to 715 pounds. We then mercifully go on to a great palate cleanser. The WWF Ladies Tag Team Championship match, a two out of three falls match to Glamour Girls, Leilani Kai and Judy Martin with Jimmy Hart versus the Jumping Bomb Angels, Norio Tatendo and Itsuki Yamazaki. The Jumping Bomb, Jumping Bomb Angels are impressive. Vince and Jesse argue about the weightlifting competition. The Glamour Girls strike first and fast. Vince doesn't know the Jumping Bomb Angels' name, so he calls them by their singlet colors, pink and red. Oh my God, shaking my head at that. Jesse and Vince get into a grammar battle over the use of the word ain't. And I am Team Jesse on this one. I don't use it often, but I do use the word ain't. My father also uses it, especially with his classic expression, when something is unbelievable to him, he will say, I ain't believing this. So, uh, a few years ago, I was a, back, I was a substitute teacher, and I would substitute on occasion for a teacher, and if you said ain't in her class and she called you, you'd have to write 25 times on a piece of paper. I would not say ain't in class and then turn it in. And I told my dad this, and he's like, screw that, I served my country. So I'm definitely Team Jesse on that. Back and forth on the first fall, the Glamour Girls cheat very well and they win the first fall. On the second fall, Vince start to starts to pronounce the Jumping Bomb Angels' names, so someone must have told him between falls. The Jumping Bomb Angels get a quick pin after a sunset flip. Third fall, Jumping Bomb Angels hit hard to start. The Glamour Girls fight back. They go back and forth, some near falls. Both Jumping Bomb Angels go in different 
go to different turnbuckles, hit a double drop kick, and get the pin. And we have new champions. Jesse complains that when the one angel hooked the arm, Martin's shoulders came up too, but it doesn't go anywhere. Vince and Jesse flash back to WrestleMania 3 in the Hulk Hogan-Andre the Giant match controversy. The Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase then says he is going to buy the championship, so he offers Hulk Hogan money. Hulk Hogan says hell no to DiBiase, which was kind of risque at the time. DiBiase then says everybody has a price. Flashback to Andre's attack on Hulk Hogan from Saturday night's main event. And then DiBiase recruits Andre to get the belt for him. We then go to our contract signing. And as they show the crowd right before this, there's a guy who has a kid in the backbreaker in the crowd. Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, who has Ted DiBiase and Virgil living. Mean Gene Oakland is in the ring to be the master of ceremonies. Andre, DiBiase, Virgil, and WWF figurehead president Jack Tunney are already in the ring. Hogan comes out to a huge pop. Jesse points out that Hogan comes out to Real American, and we are in Canada. Mean Gene introduces the participants. Andre is hesitant to sit down. DiBiase jaw jacks to Hogan as he signs. After a lot of pausing, Andre finally signs. Then he gets up, and after a cue from DiBiase, he slams the table on Hogan. Vince and Jesse then go over the Royal Rumble and some of the participants. We then have our 1988 Royal Rumble. Coming out at number one is Bret Hart. Number two is Tito Santana, and it's forearms and kicks time. Bret Hart is on the offensive. Number three is Butch Reed. Bret Hart sells being hurt. Number four is Jim Neidhart. Then we have Jake Roberts coming out, and Butch Reed gets eliminated. Harley Race. Then Jim Brunzel, Sam Houston, and Tito Santana gets eliminated. Danny Davis is next out, then Boris Zukov. Then Don Morocco and Nikolai Volkov both come out, but Morocco is the one that is allowed in. Boris Zukov is thrown out, and Nikolai has to wait to go in. Volkov is finally allowed in at number 12. Harley Race gets eliminated. Jim Duggan fights with Harley Race on his way to the ring. Then we have Ron Bass, and Jim Brunzel is eliminated. B. Brian Blair then comes out. Then him, Hillbilly Jim. Jim Neidhart is eliminated. And Bret Hart, at being at number one, is your Iron Man. He is still in there. Dino Bravo comes out, and Sam Houston is eliminated. The Ultimate Warrior making his big-time debut. And Bret Hart is finally eliminated. Then we have the one-man gang. And B. Brian Blair is eliminated. Jake Roberts then is eliminated. The Junkyard Dog is our final participant. Nikolai Volkov is eliminated. Hillbilly Jim is then gone. Danny Davis is the next to be thrown out. Warrior then eliminated. JYD is then eliminated. Ron Bass goes next. Morocco is throwing some drop kicks. And it is impressive. The one-man game eliminates him. Dino Bravo and One Man Gang double team on Jim Duggan. One Man Gang accidentally eliminates Dino Bravo, and then the gang takes over. He tries to eliminate Duggan. Gang goes for the clothesline. Duggan drops down and pulls the top rope down, and One Man Gang falls out, and Jim Duggan is your winner. Vince and Jesse then review the contract signing. Craig DeGeorge then interviews Hulk Hogan. They talk about the Andre rematch coming up on NBC. Hogan says he can't be beat. Then we have our two out of three falls tag team match. 
the Islanders, Haku and Tama versus the Young Stallions, Paul Roma and Jim Powers. Vince and Jesse talk about the Islanders kidnapping Matilda, the Bulldog, but then talk about the Andre Hogan rematch coming up and basically anything but the match in the ring. It's a back and forth affair. Jesse puts over Haku's crescent kick. And hearing wrestlers talk about how tough Haku was in real life, I would put over Haku's everything. I would say he was the best dressed, the best looking, the best tipper, the best at everything. Because if it were a shoot, Haku would be, Haku would be champion for life. They finally concentrate on the match here. Paul Roma falls outside the, over the ropes, hurts his knee, and gets counted out. So, when they come back from commercial, they review the contract signing again. Craig DeGeorge then talks to Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase with Virgil. The Million Dollar Man says that what happened tonight won't compare to what will happen on February the 5th. Andre says on February the 5th, they will make history by eliminating Hulkamania. Second fall. Roma comes out injured. He and Tama have to start since they were the last two in the ring for the previous fall. Haku and Jim Powers are tagged in. Haku takes over. Tama tagged in. Quick tags by the Islanders. Powers is just brutalized. Roma is tagged in but submits to a half craft. Vince and Jesse run down what has happened that night and then close the show. There are a number of ways you can contact me. You can follow the show's Twitter at the cup, at cup of Joe Pod. Email the show at cupofjoewrestlingshow at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TheJoeyHairs. Thank you for joining me this week. This is Joey Harris saying so long from Stately Maine Manor. The Cup of Joe Wrestling Show is a production of Baby Kangaroo Media.